there are this morning from Ephesians 6, Romans 15 and Colossians 2. Ephesians 6, 18 to 20. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me, that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Romans 15, verse 30. I urge you, brothers and sisters, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. And Colossians 2, 6 and 7. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. The title of my sermon this morning is A Spirituality Beyond the Budgie's Beak. How to have a spirituality that is beyond the budgie's beak. Uh, recently I recalled a story uh, told by my sister-in-law, Nicola. And as I was preparing this message, she recounted many years ago when we were in the same church as much younger people, uh, that they used to have an open prayer time uh, in the evening service. That's always fraught with danger. Let me just say the spirit may lead, but may not at the same time. So it's a great risk to open up the microphone. Uh, there was one particular uh, young teenager in the church. Her name was Susie. And she was passionate about all the Lord's critters. She just loved the Lord's critters. And so she would be just so worked up about these little critters of the Lord that might have. So it would be one week it would be the puppy's paw. And sometimes she'd be so upset about praying for the poor puppy's paw. Uh, that she'd be overwhelmed with grief. And because it was an open prayer time, people would have to stand up and sort of hold her shoulder and take over the prayer and just bring Jesus healing down on the puppy's paw. One of, one, this is true. One of the ongoing uh, prayer requests that Susie had for the church is that she stood up with a quivering voice and a broken heart every week would be to pray for her poor budgie whose beak was broken. So the church would be without, and people wouldn't, you know, uh, mock it or anything. Everyone was praying for the budgie's beak as a church. I want to say that's fine, but I want to say we need to have a prayer life and a spirituality that goes way beyond the budgie's beak. And so that's what I want to talk to you today about. I want to talk to you today about, um, about having a spirituality like that. Um, there we go. Can have a spirituality beyond the budgie's beak. It's going to be interesting for you to explain to friends what the minister was talking about on Sunday. Did you go to church? What did he preach about? He preached about budgies' beaks. What kind of a church do you go to? What kind of a bird brain minister do you have? Okay, there are goals. We're becoming very familiar with them. They're great, they're great goals to have. And the ones I want to talk to you today about as a church, we commit ourselves to corporate and to individual prayer. And everyone in the church growing in a vibrant relationship with God. Growing in a vibrant relationship with God. 
Um, let me just go back a couple of slides. Heavenly Father, as we consider these matters as a group of people and as individuals, we just pray to God that you would really help us to focus in, to be honest to God today, to be reflective, to be open-hearted, not to be defensive, to be encouraged where encouragement is warranted, uh, to be reminded where reminding is necessary, and to be provoked to go further where that is needed also. And so, Lord, just be with us today as we consider what, how our, spirit, our spirituality stands before you today. What is our prayer life like today as we sit before you? We consider these things. In Jesus' name we pray. Committing ourselves to corporate individual prayer and everyone in the church growing in a vibrant relationship with God. So prayer, of course... Uh, First goal that you read in our, in our goal statement is a church. We commit ourselves to corporate and individual prayer. How do you think we're going? Mm. Mm. It's always a tough one, isn't it, when, when, when that one when it comes up? Uh, just as tough for me as it is for you, let me assure you of that. How are we going on that? How are you growing? Are you growing in a vibrant relationship with God? Is your spiritual life stagnant? Is it going backwards? Or is it growing and going forwards in all form? So these are the things that we commit ourselves to as a church. So what does it mean to go beyond the budgie's beak to pray? Well, of course, the scripture tells us how to do that. Look at this great scripture here, folks. From Ephesians 6, Paul is praying and he's asking the church to, to pray for him. And he says, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert. Always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me, that whenever I speak, words may be given me, that I may fearlessly make known the mysteries of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Of course, he's in prison as he writes. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. You know, when it talks about praying in the Spirit, what does that mean? That's a pretty controversial uh, phrase in um, modern decades of these days. But I believe it means that we just pray as God leads us. We need to get on God's agenda. When we pray, whose agenda do you have in mind? Is it, is it God's agenda that you're, that you're after? Or is it your agenda? I have to admit that when I pray, mostly I have my agenda in mind and I roll it out to God as convincingly as I possibly know how and to persuade the God of the universe to obey me and to do as I wish, as if he is a genie from the lamp, some sort of Disney movie. It doesn't happen. So when we pray, again, do we, is it God's agenda that we're seeking? Are we seeking to find God's agenda and get onto God's agenda? Or do we want to put our agenda out there and want God to get on our agenda? Interesting question. I think if we learn to pray in the Spirit, if we learn to be led by God as he prompts us and shows us what we should be praying, we will more and more be praying, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, who taught us that? It's the 18 seconds that it takes to pray the Lord's Prayer. 
So if your prayer life's miserable, start with 18 seconds a day. 18 seconds. Getting onto God's agenda, his will and not ours. Do our prayers show that we're really seeking God's kingdom in our lives and in the lives of others? That's what I believe it means to pray in the spirit. We need to tune in to what he wants us to pray. Um, And as Jesus said, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, that's the condition. If you you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. You see, there's two sides of that. We remain connected and committed to Jesus. And as it shapes that. So praying the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Uh, There's a full gamut. There's a massive sushi train of choice when it comes to spirituality. Sometimes I like to, when I'm explaining these kinds of prayers to to younger people, I say sometimes uh, we might shoot off a prayer and it's kind of like an emoji almost, you know. How many people... I will, on your phone, there are little characters. How many people know what an emoji is? Come on, an emoji. Sometimes, you know, God does something and we just go, yay, God, or something like that. So sometimes our prayers are like super short. They're just like a thanks or wow or something like that, an emoji style prayer. Sometimes our prayers to God are more like a text message. And so we might say a few things. We might say a few lines. We might make something known as we're going along. So we might text a kind of a prayer. It can be a short prayer. It can be about anything. Because we pray with all kinds of prayers on all occasions about all kinds of things. It is a broad gamut of possibilities for your prayer life out there. It's not narrow. It's broad. Sometimes our prayers go beyond a text message and they're more like an email. They're more like an email. I don't like emails, but apparently people use them. Uh, my secretary's despair at my lack of email uh, communication, but it doesn't matter. Um, email. Sometimes you want to you want to develop something. You want to say a few things. We might it might take fifteen minutes to write an email. It might take fifteen minutes to read an email. Sometimes our prayers are like an email, and sometimes our our prayer life is like catching up with somebody for coffee. It's not a five minute thing. It's not a ten minute thing. We sit down with God for about an hour. We sit down for God about a half an hour and we pour our heart out to God and he talks to us and we talk to him because we're listening. Not just talking, we're listening to God. And so we pray all kinds of prayers on all kinds of requests. Um, With this in mind, uh, we keep alert. And so sometimes we, we call out to God in pain. If we're in pain, cry out to God. If we've got a time of blessing, praise God. If you're on a time of need, ask God. If you're sick, implore God for healing. If you're in sin, ask God for forgiveness. If you're beset with worry and anxiety, cast your cares on him, for he cares for you in all circumstances, in all places, with all kinds of prayer. Pray, pray and pray. Don't limit your thinking when it comes to praying. Be broad. With this in mind, it says, be alert, keep on praying for all the Lord's people. You need, we need to be spiritually alert because the great forgotten truth that's clear in the scripture is that there is a spiritual enemy. Spiritual warfare. Huh? When, the, when was the last time we heard anything about the devil, about Satan? I want to tell you, he's alive and real and you're his public enemy number one. And so he wants to, he's like a roaring lion and you're on the menu. 
wants to bring you down, wants to tear you apart. We need to be alert. We need to be on the mind that we're not just, we are not just waging war against flesh and blood, the scripture tells us, but we are waging war against all kinds of principalities and powers in places that we can't see. Be alert. Don't be naive. Know that there's a bigger picture. There's things happening behind the veil of the human existence. There's a spiritual realm that's happening out there. So be aware of that. You see, Paul is in chains here as he writes. He's in chains. Now, who put him in chains? Who wants Paul in chains? What's Paul? He's a missionary. He goes out and he preaches the gospel. Who wants Paul in chains? You might say it's political. He, he crossed the, he crossed the, he cheesed somebody off in some high power and they stuck him in jail. That's what it looks like. The person who wants Paul in chains and not visiting and planning churches is the enemy. And so that's why he's in chains. But Paul, of course, then thinks God's got another plan because this is what God does. He counters the enemy so easily. He gets Paul to write all the letters, which we've still got today. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, God, that Paul's in jail. <laughs> Thank you, God, that Paul is in prison and he's in chains. It looked like it was bad, but God meant it for good. That's just typical God. Yeah, that's what God does. So here it is happening here in the spiritual realm. There we have it. We need to be alert relationally. We need to listen between the lines of what people are saying. We need to read people's body languages. We need to see in a person's eye the window of their soul. We need to ask the question, are you okay? And I need to say today to everybody and remind us, it's okay not to be okay. And it's okay to say, I'm not okay. Well, it's very interesting, you know, with uh, Remington's got the scooter, um, and which they wear helmets and go down these little ramps and things like that. I believe that they're created by orthodontists, these particular... <laughs> I believe scooters and things are designed by orthodontists to keep them in perennial work. It was interesting. There's a culture I've discovered amongst children on skate ramps because they're forever crashing. The orthodontist's friend. And do you know what they say to each other? One kid skates, goes past another kid either on a skateboard or roller skates or on their little things and they say, you good? You good? And I noticed that wherever I went, it's just like a universal language. I'm now hip. I'm telling you, I'm full on <laughs> grooving it. I'm right up in the skate scene, baby. And then they just go past and they always stop. And I heard it again. I heard it. One kid said it over here. Another guy crashed. He said, you good? Another guy over here. You good? And then Remington fell over and a total stranger walked past and said, you good? We need to say to each other, you good? You okay? That's what we need to do. It's a safety question, not a moral estimate of your terrible character. We know you're not good. But we're asking, are you doing all right? <laughs> it was interesting. Yesterday, uh, I, get, I, get, I get middle ear imbalance, which makes me feel pretty ill a lot of the time when I get it. I've had it for about a month, and it's like you're feeling car sick, okay? If you've, had, if you've had vertigo or labyrinthitis, everybody would know what I'm talking about. You feel pretty crook, you feel pretty tired, and yesterday I went back into my cycling class, which I'd been wagging for a few weeks, not feeling very well, and my instructors came over when the music, and we've got a reasonable sort of connection there, and she came over when the music was just starting, saying hello to people, hello to people, and she said, I haven't seen you for a while, and she said, uh, how, how are you, you doing okay? And I said, oh, I've just, got, you know, I've just got this little thing, and she said, 
these words, what aren't you telling me? That's a million dollar question. That's a million dollar question. I'm stumbling, bubbling, defensive, thinking, I don't want to tell her what's going on in my life and my health report. She just said, what aren't you telling me? And she put a hand on my shoulder and just looked at me, waited for a response. Said, I've got vertigo, feeling pretty crook, first class in a long time. She said, that woman over there has just told me she's got vertigo. She might not make the class out either. What aren't you telling me? I'm just going to drop that in there for your toolkit. I think it's a great question. We need to be alert. We need to be alert about what the enemy is doing. We also need to be alert what's happening in others' lives. Look down there as the scripture goes on. There's a lot in these verses. Pray also for me that when I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel of the Lord for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. How many times does the word I and me appear in that verse, those two verses? How good are you at asking for prayer for yourself? Most of you say, oh, don't worry about it. How are you? Oh, I'm okay. You want me to pray? No, no. I'm okay. Not so much the Apostle Paul. Maybe you're more spiritual than the Apostle Paul. Maybe you're a better Christian. Maybe you're more dynamic, more spirit-filled, more able, more powered up in the Lord than the Apostle Paul. And you might not need prayer, but old Paul, the Apostle, the great church planner, gospel preacher, writer of much of the New Testament, he needed heaps of prayer. And he says these things, pray also for me, that whenever I speak, words may be given me, so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. There's also a scripture, of course, that we had read to us from Romans 15.30. It's says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. Our church needs to be marked by a deep and desperate and passionate prayer life for each other. If you're not on the prayer chain, get on the prayer chain. It's not for you to find out what's happening in the social world of the church. It is, it's been said, I like being on the prayer chain because I get to find out what's happening in the church. Somebody once said that. If I found it, I'd just knock them straight off the list just like that. I would go, delete that person. That's not the prayer chain. It's not for you to know what's happening in the church. It's for to pray. Get on the prayer chain. Pray for people. Put stuff on the prayer chain. I put my, th- my son is in the, in the church bulletin this week because he needs prayer because his back is bad. I'm not too ashamed as a father to put my son's request in there with a bulging disc. And as a tradesman, that's a, that's, a, that's a knockout blow. Pray, pray, pray. It's not a sign of weakness. It is a sign of godliness to ask for prayer. I'll say it again. It is not a sign of weakness. It is a sign of godliness to ask for prayer. Paul needed it. Are you too proud To ask for prayer. False piety and foolishness says, oh, I don't want to bother you with that. Paul asked for specific prayer. So should we. So should we. So we need to be a church that's corporately and individually committed to praying. That's how to pray beyond the budget speak. We pray those kinds of things. 
Here's a great scripture. Came across the scriptures quite some time ago. I put that in the front of everybody's Bible who I baptize and give them a Bible. I have been doing that since decades that I can remember. I choose no other scripture to give to a newly baptized person but those scriptures. I always, always, always write Colossians 2, 6 and 7 in the front of the Bible. I want them, from the time they step out for Jesus, I want them to be fixated with the words from Colossians about what it means to start and keep on going and keep on growing in the Lord. And so that is what goes in the front of a Bible whenever I baptise a person. So over the years, I've been uh, very blessed to baptise many scores of people and they've all got uh, Colossians chapter 2, 6 and 7 reference. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, that's why they're getting baptised. Hello? Anybody want to get baptised that's not baptised yet? I've got an in, I'm having an intentional conversation with somebody today. Join in. The water will be warm. Maybe. So just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith, just as you were taught, overflowing with thankfulness. That is my hope and prayer for people, that they would start out well with Jesus Christ as their Lord, but they would continue to live in him, that they would go deeper into Jesus, that they would grow up into Jesus. It's a, can you see what sort of an illustration? It's a plant illustration. It's something being planted. It's going down deep. It's growing up big. It's getting stronger. It's moving up in its measurement. You can see this thing rooted and built up in him. We see the image of a great uh, thing. I do a bit of mentoring and my, my mandate and motto for mentoring is if you water a weed, you get a weed. So don't mentor weeds. But if you... Water an acorn, you get an oak tree. Find the acorns and water them. And so because you know that what will happen if a person has got the right heart before the Lord parable of the sower, eh? that they will go deep, they will grow strong, that they will begin, they begin their, their journey with Jesus. They have received Christ Jesus as their Lord and Saviour. They've confessed that, that's why they're baptised. Then, as they go on, they need to continue to rely on Jesus as Saviour. And they also need to continue to submit to him as Lord. Receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour is not only the beginning of your journey, it's every day of your journey. He is your Lord. Submission, obedience, reliance on him till the day we die. We keep on having that experience of Christ in our life. We continue that journey on. And so uh, obedience and submission and yielding to him. So Jesus says to people, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? For him, it's incomprehensible and impossible. So we need to keep going. We need to keep growing as a person in Jesus, measuring up to him. And what does it mean to grow to be more like Jesus? I think it means this. We grow more like Jesus in our knowledge. We grow more like Jesus in our character. We grow more like Jesus in our thought. We grow more like Jesus in our speech. And we grow more like Jesus in our 
conduct. In our knowledge, our character, our thought, our speech and our conduct, we grow more like him, increasingly governed by the love of God for us and for others. And Ephesians 4.13 says, Until we reach the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, become mature, attaining the whole measure and fullness of Christ. You're not measuring up to the person in the pew next to you. Not measuring yourself up to me, measuring yourself up to your parents, your grandparents. You're measuring yourself up to Jesus. Keep growing. It's like the door thing, you know. Remington wants to be measured about every four weeks. It's generally very small growth, if at all. But he loves it because he wants to grow. He wants to measure up. He wants to be six foot one or six foot two like the height chart predicts he will be. But he's a little bit short of that at the moment. But he wants to get there. He wants to measure up. He wants to be the full person that God has made him to be. And that's what we need to be. And of course, this means getting stronger, built up, root up in him, strengthened in the faith, just as you were taught, overflowing with thankfulness. We get stronger. We need to be strong in the Lord because we're under constant spiritual warfare. And we need to be overflowing with thankfulness. And we get, how do we do that? By regular, intentional reflection on the goodness of God in your life. Regular, intentional reflection on the goodness and the blessings of God in your life. Rooted in him, strengthened and built up in him. So, how's our spirituality going to look from now on? It's going to be beyond the budgie's beak. I want to encourage us to have a depth that goes beyond praying uh, for God's critters which is okay, but it's a childish prayer. We need to pray, pray also like mature adults who are becoming more like Jesus. I'm going to invite the band up as I lead us in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the example of Paul who not only shows us what we should be praying, but he leads the example of asking for prayer. Help us, Heavenly Father, to have a relationship as a church where we're just like that where we, uh, we ask each other, you good? We ask each other, what aren't you telling me? So that we can get to the heart of the issue and love and support each other like we should in prayer and in kindness. Help us, Heavenly Father, not only to have great memories of our beginning journey with Jesus, but to continue to be deeper, stronger, higher, People of faith that look more like Jesus one degree, one day at a time. Amen. Please stand.